Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 93rd program in this series. I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and this is the end of the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. This conversation started at the end of John chapter 13 when Jesus was having the last Passover, also known as the Last Supper, with his disciples. And they left that place, and after they left and they were walking to the garden where Jesus was eventually going to be arrested, Jesus continues the conversation, and there is a lot of repetition in this conversation. But with each iteration of repeating things that he said before, he would tend to add things in order to increase their understanding a little bit at a time about what he's doing and why. Now, here in John chapter 16, Jesus speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit in verse 7. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart... I will send him to you, the importance of the restoration of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and he speaks about the change in the relationship that God is going to have with the people in the world, and that there are two different groups of people. There are the people who are saved, and there are the people who are not saved. But God is going to have an individual relationship with everyone, Before Jesus died and rose from the dead and invoked the new covenant, we were under the old covenant. And in the old covenant, the Lord related to people on the basis of the collective, on the basis of the nation of Israel, for example. But in the new covenant, we have a different relationship that is based on the individual. It is an individual relationship between God and the people of the world. And he makes a division between the lost and the saved. And so in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, Jesus speaks about the relationship that will exist between God and the lost. In verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. That this is the relationship that he is going to have with people on an individual basis. Through his spirit, he will connect with the spirit of every individual And in this connection that he's going to have, which just simply describes him communicating with people, he is going to communicate with everyone to an extent, and this extent is to bring conviction to them. He is going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And I spoke about these verses a lot in the previous programs. The summary of what this means is that God is going to have a relationship with the lost to the extent that he is going to confront them. He is going to convict them. 
He is going to bring to their attention that there are some things that are real, that they don't believe in him, that there is righteousness and he's the one who defines it, that the devil was wrong, that there is judgment that is going to be executed on the devil and therefore there will be judgment that will be executed on everyone in one sense or another, at least in the context that God is going to decide who will be in his presence in the kingdom of heaven for eternity and who won't be, who will just simply go to hell and be forgotten. And then in verse 12, there is a transition. First, Jesus describes the relationship that God will have with those who reject him, who don't believe in him. Then he says, listen, I've got a lot that I can say to you. That's verse 12. And I spoke about this in the previous program. And then in verse 13, 13, 14, and verse 15, Jesus repeats again things that he has said previously, and he adds a little bit more, that describes the relationship that will exist between God and those who do believe in him, who do believe in Jesus as the Messiah. In verse 13, Jesus said, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. This tells you what God wants, what he wants to experience in your life, that he wants to be the person who guides you into all truth. That is a big part of the relationship that he wants to have with you. He wants to be that person in your life. He doesn't want to just leave you alone and leave you to try to figure out what the truth is, what reality is, and what it's about. That's not what he wants. However, there are limitations concerning how much he can reveal, as he described in verse 12. There are limitations, but these limitations have to do with you. They have to do with the things that you believe. It has to do with the kind of reality that you think exists, the framework that you have constructed for yourself during your lifetime, what you believe the world is about, what you believe reality is. If what you think is real, if what you think is true isn't real and isn't true, then these become obstacles. They become obstacles for you to get over And they are also obstacles that make it difficult for God to express the truth and express reality to you because there is going to have to be a correction. And as I mentioned in the previous message, this correction will cause a disruption in your life. It will cause a disruption because it will disturb the framework, the belief that you have concerning the way things are, when in reality, they simply are not the way you thought that they were. So this is the struggle. This is the wrestling that we will have with God as he guides us into all truth. Verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. But this is an experience. This is a struggle. This is a real issue with regards to how we are going to live our life, how much are we going to embrace at any given time, 
What are going to be the implications of us making corrections, of us making adjustments concerning what we believe and what we value? And how do these truths become an integral part of who we are and how we live our lives? These are adjustments that need to happen slowly, that need to happen over a period of time. So God describes the guiding of people, that this is something he wants to do. But this is a lifelong experience. Continuing in verse 13, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now, there are many people who would read this and they will say that this describes two different persons. I understand that that's a way that people can interpret this. I see that this is a way of looking at this. I simply do not agree. To me, this describes an abstraction that our God has revealed himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I do take the position that this is still the same person. Otherwise, from my point of view, you would be talking about multiple gods. And to me, that is unacceptable. So I understand that there are a lot of people who will say that there are three persons, but there's only one God. To me, that's a contradiction. To other people, they think that's okay. I understand that. I've been doing this long enough to know that I am not going to resolve a conflict like this. When it comes to this particular topic, this is something that everyone's going to have to work out between them and the Lord themselves. From my point of view, this describes an abstraction. And in the way that this is described, that he will speak whatever he hears, and yet he is the Spirit of God, to me, this is just another way of saying that the Spirit of Truth is God. It is the Spirit of God. That's what I see here in verse 13. And this is also what I see in verses 14 and 15, which I'll come to in just a moment. But at the end of verse 13, he adds something. He adds, and he will tell you things to come. Now, this is new in the repetition of these other things that Jesus is saying. This is something that's new. This is something that he adds to what he has said previously, that God wants to tell you about things to come, about things that are going to happen. In other words, God wants to share with us insight and discernment so that we can have an understanding of some things that will take place in the future. Now, this could fit into the category of what we call the prophetic, but it doesn't have to. In fact, from my perspective, I would say that the prophetic or the category of the prophetic is not the predominant way that this is going to be manifested. From my point of view and from my experience, I read this in the sense of the consequences of decisions that people make, the consequences of what people believe, especially when they believe things that are not true. There are always consequences to the decisions that people make, to the things that they do, to the things that they believe. There will always be consequences, and these consequences are things that will come. Things that will take place. And I have found that this goes hand in hand. This is the same thing as being guided and led into truth. 
that a big part of that is what will happen if the truth is rejected. What happens then? What are the possibilities of what could occur when there is the rejection of truth and the rejection or the denial of reality? This kind of discernment is, from my point of view, the biggest way that I can relate to the idea of God telling me about things to come. That from my relational experience, which is just simply what I can testify of, I can only testify of what I have personally experienced. I'm not able to tell you that God will speak to you in a great prophetic way or not, or that that's necessarily what he implies here. That's outside of my boundaries. This is something that Jesus tells his disciples, but this is the way that I personally have experienced it in my own life, that it really has more to do with what is to come as a result of the rejection of the truth that God reveals, the rejection of the discernment of the understanding of the revelation of reality that God provides for people. When people believe things that are not true, their lives are a reflection of that. And when you understand the nature of these things, then you can have discernment and understanding with regards to the potential consequences of these things. And in that way, God can reveal to you things that will come. So again, in verse 13, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the connection really is between he will guide you into all truth, and then there's a pause about his identity. He will guide you into all truth, and he will tell you things to come, which to me, this connection between the two is a description of the consequences for rejecting the truth that God reveals. Moving forward into verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, in the previous messages, I explained that Jesus has used this word a lot, this idea of glorify, and this is just a glorified word that describes making someone known, that you may know someone. The Spirit of God will reveal more about who Jesus is. That's what Jesus meant when he said, He will glorify me. Obviously, they don't have a good understanding of who Jesus really is. You can see that by just simply reading what they say, how they respond to what Jesus says, especially in this conversation. Obviously, there is a lot more to know about the Lord Jesus, and we can know these things now because the Spirit of truth will dwell within us. He dwells within us if we are saved. Salvation is the giving of the Holy Spirit who will dwell within us permanently eternally, making us spiritually alive, that's what salvation is. When he is within us, he can connect with us, he can communicate with us, he can relate to us in the depths of our being in a way that he couldn't relate to the disciples. So, of course, we can see 
what Jesus said to the disciples back then, and we can understand a lot more about what Jesus said to them than they could. This is one of the joys of reading the testimony that they wrote down about what Jesus did and these conversations that he had with them because the Spirit of God who now dwells within us can bring illumination and revelation and explanation to us today that was not possible back then so that we may know him, that we may know Jesus. Again in verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Well, what does that mean, that the Holy Spirit will take something from Jesus and give it to us, or declare it to us? Jesus says a little bit more about this. He says in verse 15, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, this is an abstraction. When he says, all things that the Father has are mine, you got to think about that for just a moment. Everything that God has belongs to Jesus. Everything that the living God has, you know, he who dwells in unapproachable light, all that he has belongs to Jesus. How could that be? There is only one way. Jesus is God. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh here. Jesus is God in the sense that he is a manifestation. Our God has expressed himself, has revealed himself in a way that we can handle, in a way that we can understand. This is the same as what he said in verse 12. In verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, you try to bear the living God in all of his glory. You're not going to be able to bear that either. And so instead of revealing the fullness of his glory, the absolute magnitude of his eternal person, he shows us a little bit of who he is. A manifestation, a partial expression. He doesn't give us All that he is, he just gives us some, as much as we can handle. And how much can we handle? Well, that was the expression, the revelation, the manifestation of Jesus. Jesus was as much as they could handle. Jesus is about as much as we can handle. Now, of course, he has more to say and there's more to know about him. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God within us, will work with us on an individual basis to reveal to us what we are ready to receive, when or if we are ready to receive more. And he does want to express more to us. But he is wise. He knows what he's doing. He knows how much we can handle and how much we can't handle. So verse 15 gives more information from verse 14. It expands a little bit more so that we can see that Jesus is again, this is repetition from what he said at the beginning of this conversation, that he is the Father, that the Father is him, that he is in the Father, that the Father is in him. These are ways to communicate that he is really the same person. 
but he does so in a way that people are not overwhelmed by such a revelation and provides just enough, just enough room for a person to reject what he is saying, to turn away and simply say, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, you would if you wanted to. If you really want to, you'll get it, that Jesus really is God. Again, in verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is repetition from verse 13 and from the previous verses that the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to you. To declare something to you is a continuation of the same theme, of the same idea, the same issue, that the Spirit of God will be connected with you and will relate to you and will communicate to you the truth. He will declare it to you. Verse 15, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So he is going to describe what he has. And why would it be important to understand what he has and to know what he has? Because what he has is what he is offering to you. He is offering to you what he has. And if you understand and comprehend what he has to offer you, then you can be the recipient of what he has to offer. Now, this is summarized in the context of the inheritance in Christ Jesus. But it's the same thing. It's just another way of stating the same thing, that the Holy Spirit is going to declare to you what is his, what is God's, what belongs to Jesus, what he has to offer. This will be declared to you as part of what he is now offering to you, to experience, to enjoy, to implement, to make use of in your own personal daily life. Like what? What does he have to offer? He has his love to offer. He has his acceptance to offer. He has discernment, meaning, understanding, wisdom. These are things he has to offer. He can offer you purpose in life through being a participant in the things that he is doing. He can offer you purpose in the sense of a standard of relationship that he wants to establish and experience with you. These are some of the things that he has to offer. It's another way of stating that your God wants to give to you all that you have a need for, for life and godliness. Again, at the end of verse 15, Therefore I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. He is going to declare to you what is his. He's going to say to you, This is what I've got. This is what I can give. This is what you can have. This is what you can make use of. And when you make use of this in your life while you are here in the world, through that, you will know your God more. You will live your life with greater peace and joy. Much more. There really is no limit to where this will go to how far this can go, this idea of you receiving what God has to offer you 
and you living with what you have been given. This is a way that Jesus describes this important part of the new covenant that we are to surrender to. He is proclaiming the new covenant that is about to go into effect. This is not yet in effect. He is telling the disciples something that they're simply not going to understand. He is going to give to them all things. The Holy Spirit will proclaim to them all things. And in that sense, giving to them all that they will need for life and godliness. But there is no way that they can understand what this means. It's an extraordinary challenge to get a new believer in Christ Jesus today to understand what that means. People will normally begin with a bit of an intellectual enlightenment, but that is definitely not the same thing as the reality of a personal interactive relationship with God. There is a huge difference between an intellectual enlightenment or a theological education and the reality of a person engaging with another person. So Jesus is proclaiming what is to come, but the realization of that is a completely different thing. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 93rd program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, where Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. He had just completed a description of the way that he was going to relate to the world. And he was explaining how he would interact with those who do not believe in him. But in verses 13 through 15, he gives a description of how the Spirit of God will interact with the people who do believe in him. And what he does is he explains more about what God wants, that he wants Jesus to be known, that he wants people to know the truth and to also know of things to come. And in this program, I did not explain that from the perspective of the prophetic, but instead to understand the consequences of what people believe. This is a way of understanding things to come and that our God can show us things to come by helping us to understand the consequences when people reject the truth. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net